Wow, Maggie, we're doing the podcast. Man, we have a live show next week. We next Sunday. That's insane. Which every time I think about it, I get really excited, and then that's followed immediately by just nerves and yeah, you know. And I, I kept telling myself this is a walk in the park compared to like a sketch show with lighting cues and remembering yeah. lines and everything. This is not that kind of a show. No. We have two great comedians. guests. Yes. Yeah, comedians, pros. Chris Fairbanks, Gene Pompa. Yeah. Both yeah. are going to be there and they both have some incredible TV credits as well. Yeah. I've never met them and you know both of them. I know both of them from many different incarnations of comedy groups and stuff like that and thank goodness social media keeps us all connected and current and everything. I mean, were it not social media, I would not have had the access to invite these guys to our show and regularly checking in with them and seeing their stuff online and Instagram and all of that. So yeah, man, stoked. Gene has been really cool about retweeting every Mm -hmm. time I tweet the shows coming up. Mm -hmm. So he always retweets and likes it. But Chris, I never hear from him, which kind of makes me sad. He sent me an Instagram, but busy guy, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's part of this too, is that even though I do know Chris and Gene, we don't have lunch on a regular basis. Well, we don't, you know, pound LA. beers. Yeah, exactly. You hit the like button a few times on Facebook and you're good. Yeah. There is always a part of me where, and this is a malady that dates way back to my early childhood development. For whatever reason, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's like, Aww. is this going to be okay? Yeah. Is it? Are they going to show up? Are yeah. they going to do like for free and do uh, the show? Yeah. So... <laughs> Well, well and Charlie, I, Charlie Hester. Oh, I know. What a picture. That photo of her with a guitar over her, her shoulder I know. was so cool. Yes. Yeah. If you haven't done so already, make sure to like us on Facebook, Wide Tunes Shuffle. Yeah. And you'll get a bumper sticker for a dollar if you do that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? We have bumper stickers. We will. They're coming on I'm Thursday. I'm giving away the farm here. <laughs> <laughs> One dollar like, for a beautiful. You fronted the cash too. I know, um, right? You think you'd want that back? Five hundred. We have five hundred. This is the first printing, first yes. season. Yeah. Bumper sticker. I love it. Yeah. So Charlie Hester, I think she was episode twelve. She's coming out next weekend to open the show for us and drop a brand new comedy song. Are we going to be live? This is going to be Facebook Live. No. No. We're not doing Facebook Live. Here's why. We're having the whole thing videotaped. Okay. And then what'll happen is it'll be two cameras set up Mm -hmm. and we'll edit it together Mm -hmm. so it'll be a nice concise package. Oh, okay. That you can download on iTunes. Makes a lot more sense. For a cool $2.99. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, what what better? Yes. I hope our guests show up that have been on the show, you know. Yeah. And... They'll be able to participate, shoot out questions. Heck yeah. You know, holler from the audience. Oh, my God. We had a saying in a sketch show I did uh, many years ago across comedy in Boston. One of the promos was on stage, backstage, and in the audience. That's where the show lives. <laughs> We're on stage, backstage, because we had stuff going on. Plants in the audience, cameras backstage that would pick up. Like after a sketch, you'd then look at the monitors and it would be a, an argument would be ensuing between... Planned, yeah. of course. Wow. So the show existed. That's really cool. On stage, backstage, and in the audience. It was so cool. I love when we have guests in the studio and then you tell stories about that. You're like, I know I say it too much, but I came up with Louis C.K. and David Cross and Mark Maron. But I, I love hearing all the different things that you guys used to do. I think it's cool. I think it's important that we tell those stories. It, I, I, yeah, because these folks really did become very relevant in the field of comedy and entertainment and television. I mean, 
The fact that David Cross found collaboration with Bob Odenkirk and mm-hmm. they were doing sketch comedy in a way that was at the time, I suppose, alternative and cutting edge and free form and unencumbered and HBO and all of this stuff. And then it would just stand to reason that Bob would go on and incredible thing, I mean, things, you know, in, in the Breaking Bad vein. I knew it. I definitely... This is absolutely legitimate and it's not sort of armchair quarterbacking or whatever. But I was fully aware of and saying to my family and friends, I said, I'm amongst some incredible stuff. I don't know exactly where it's all going to go, but there was no denying the fact there was some. Yeah. And it was like it's it's very much like the experience we're having. It was kind of casual. There wasn't an intensity to it. At some time, you know, once it began to be, you know, a show that was drawing the attention of producers and opportunities on Saturday Night Live, I mean, there was a point in cross comedy, the sketch comedy group where I got my start, that Saturday Night Live, through a connection that uh, some of the members of the group had through Emerson College, Marcy um, Klein, Mm -hmm. who was Calvin Klein's daughter, went to Emerson and she was a producer and booker or something on, on SNL, arranged for cross comedy the sketch comedy group to audition for snl at caroline's comedy club in manhattan cool yeah it was the problem is we had like 17 members in the group Mm -hmm. it was that kind of a thing where you know by and large if you hung around and showed up and contributed something you were kind of considered a member of the group and somehow it was decided that only nine of us in the group would actually be allowed to go down what that's where it took a turn yeah and so, and Sam Cedar, who has got the incredible show, and we were on his, he didn't make the cut. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know what my point is, other than let's enjoy this now and then, let's, yeah, be like, present <clears throat> in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Last night, I wound up at a party in Hollywood, and it was uh, Marcellus, who was a guest mm-hmm. of ours. Mm-hmm. His best friend Jeff had reached out and said, "Hey, I know you're looking for an apartment." Why don't you come over and check it out? Checked it out. The house is gorgeous. I'd have a parking spot. It's amazing. In Hollywood? In Hollywood. Mm. It's quiet. It's surprisingly quiet. And tons of parking. Like, this is an oasis in the middle of Hollywood, right? Yeah. Parking within the building sort of thing? No, it's a house. It's a house. So, okay, Um, naturally, it's got its own. Yeah, so they said with my rent, I get the driveway. So I saw it, and I was like, I I didn't meet the third roommate Mm -hmm. when I went there. So they were having a party last night. Jeff's like, please come by. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Well, it turns out the third roommate is Italian and all of his friends are European or from Colombia or some sort of Spanish descent. And I had so much fun. Really? I was starting to think that I was asexual and just not attracted to people anymore. Mm. But there were so many beautiful people um, of both, of all the genders. I was like, wow, Wow. where am I? This is amazing. And I'll tell you, they know how to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And they ask some pretty incredible questions. They skip the, what do you do? How long have you been here? How do you like it? How Mm. long have you done that? And went right to the, are you happy? What are you finding interesting about Los Angeles? Wow. Yeah. And just asking questions like that turned into conversations about, well, do the rest of the world really hate Americans? Or were we just brought up to believe that the world hates us? And they're like, no, if you go and you try and you try to speak French or you try to speak Spanish, we love you. We don't care. No matter how bad you butcher it, then we'll try to speak our terrible English and it's fine. Right. I don't know about you, but I've always felt like, don't go to France. They hate you there. Like, don't go 
don't go anywhere in the world because they hate you there. Yeah, I've fallen into that trap. You yeah. know, it's kind of like don't put an American flag on your backpack. You know, yeah. put a Canadian flag on, you know, and abroad, it's not been my experience by and large. Their people are immediately put off because we're American. Now, Jeff, Marcellus's friend. Best friend. Best friend. He told the story about him being in the motorcycle accident. Right. Yes. Right. That whole sort of like being there for each other. Yes. Is Jeff one of the roommates? Yes. Okay, so it's him and then this person from Italy. Uh, Sebastiano. Sebastiano. Yes. And they were so cute. They were just smoking and they were drinking Mm -hmm. their wine. When meat came off of the grill, everyone went running to go get some meat. Not vaping. They were smoking tobacco. Uh, Cigarettes. Cigarettes. It was amazing. I don't even smoke cigarettes, but I was like, get it. They They had no shame. They were just like, I am lighting up. That's what I'm doing. Wow. I can't wait for the housewarming. I know. Once you get moved in, I I'm know. coming down. I don't go to parties anymore. I mean, oh. like when you said I went to a party in Hollywood, I was sort of going back to like the swingers era, <laughs> which is when I went to parties. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad they're still happening. And I, I, I'm not self-effacing. I'm, I just, but I was always the 20 something or the early 30 something that gravitated to the 50 something guest at the party. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if I'll have that experience where a younger person will come up like, hey, man, it's yeah. cool you're here, dude. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You know, and then yeah. just try to drop some. I just I don't know. It's just funny being older. Well, well, you don't look it. Thank you. Um, and you're really only as old as you feel. That's right. I got that <laughs> in my wallet on a little card. No, I don't. So you want to talk some music? Sure. Why? <laughs> Tunes. So I wanted to tell you the story of this party because after the party, I was I went to go meet a comic friend of mine to have a, because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was so beautiful. I had two glasses of wine. I was like, if I stay, I'm going to make an ass of myself. So I was like, I need to go. It had been about two and a half hours. And I was like, Ooh, I got to go. So on the way to go meet my friend, we just stopped at Norm's and had a snack, just caught up and hung out. And on the way over there, I heard this particular song, and I've never been more excited to hear anything in my whole life. So here we go. I still am so freaking excited. That 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 describes your I got a place to stay in a clean, cool Hollywood spot oh. with parking. Did this come on from a recording or the radio? It was on the radio. <clears throat> what station? Alt 98.7. Alt 98.7. Mm, sister station I work for. Mm-hmm. Do you know this song, obviously? Uh, it's very familiar, but I don't know who does it. Drama-rama. Drama-rama. Anything you want. Hundred dollar bills. Um, what year, do you think? Oh, 90s? The 80s, it's got to be. Yeah, that, but yeah, because Drama Rama, yeah. like, I should know that. I'm yeah. from the 80s, yeah. When I remember hearing the lyrics for the first time, I was like, oh man, this is like every dude in my life song for me. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? How do I get you to settle down? $100 bills? You want a diamond? Like, what do you want? How do I get you? I don't know. I just, it makes me feel so freaking good. Like, mm. not ready. Not there yet. Not there. This was your pulse Ugh, last night. That's how pulse. your pulse was running. Yes. And it came on and it just, it connected it just and it clicked. Hit the right spot. When do you move into that place? Um, probably not till the end of June. That's not long off. Mm-mm. We're in the middle of May almost. Almost. May 6th. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Oh my god. I know. I just heard that. I was like, I want David to hear this and experience it with me. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And it's funny because I'm looking at the album cover. You've got it brought up on the computer screen and it's got a very 80s thing. But I'm as I'm listening to it, I, I have a connection. You know, I'm making a Y-Tune shuffle connection Tell to me. it. Yeah. But it's time and place. It's like, and then you said the name and I'm kind of like, where was I in the 80s when this thing was out? It and says I was 85. Yeah. 1985. Yeah. I mean, I was at the height of my initial, I was bartending at the Haunt. And mm-hmm. this was like definitely part of the mix. And I definitely must have heard it. Yeah. For sure. So it was. I was just like, but at the same time, I'm thinking, is this a newer song? This is just relevant. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Timeless. Yeah. So good. What lyric is your favorite? Do you have a particular, I mean, do you know every word to this song? Um, or just do some pop out at you that are. Like the yeah, just I mean the, the whole hundred dollar bills. What's it gonna take? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, settle down, settle down, settle down. Like no, I will. Is not. it is it speaking to you to settle down, or is it speaking to them to settle down? No, hey. I, to me it feels like every dude that I've been this close to, either being engaged to or being married to. What do you want? What do you want? Yeah, what's it gonna take? This, I feel like I attract these men that are ready right now. And I'm like, why can't we just make out and eat pizza? Why can't that just be a thing? Mm-hmm. But there's this um, a program director, my very first program director, Ginny Harmon. I'll never forget her. She was amazing and carried this beautiful energy. About from her. where? What station? From Temecula, California. <laughs> and we worked for KATY 101.3. Man, some of the stuff we would talk about. But she was a little bit older than I was um, in her early 40s when I was about 20. And she lived with cats alone and shared some of her stories, the similar that Mm -hmm. I've experienced now through my twenties where dudes would be like, Hey, I'm going to take all of your energy and that beautiful aura and I'm going to try and control it and capture it and put it in a bottle. And she really went through this. I reject that and just became a boss, like a badass Mm -hmm. lady. And I always thought that was cool. And some of the words that she spoke to me were, you have a, you have an energy about you, Maggie, and people are going to try and control you and try and steal that from you. And you need to be very careful about who you spend your time with and how you spend your time with them. And that was something that always stuck with me and being careful about giving that energy away freely. It's a weird thing to say, but you get burned enough by enough people, not just romantic partners, but now that I'm coming into like my mid thirties, like it totally makes sense. Mm. So don't make me settle down. A hundred dollar bills won't do it. Well, but I I've said it before and I'll say it again, perhaps not on the Y tune shuffle podcast, but what is lacking or what went away somehow, at least in our society. And I think in many societies throughout the world is that very conversation that you had with your program director, your friend, which was being very frank and saying, Maggie, you have to be careful. Right. There is some there's some value to this information I'm giving you. Ultimately, you're going to either take my advice or consider my suggestion or not. That's a given. But you deserve and you should hear. And, you know, as we try to struggle, all of us, men and women, everybody, you know, in yeah. all incarnations of, of romantic relationship, that sort of meeting the family and having a, a support group around you that it at least is providing you with some boundaries, some foundational ideas about here's what you should be looking for and here's what I want for you. And then insisting on that to some degree. I mean, it's up to us now to insist on what it is we want for ourselves versus our parents, yeah, you know, right. the arranged marriage or I think you're, you would be very good fit with the Johnson boy. He's a, you know, your yeah. type yeah. that's all gone. So we're kind of all left out there to sort of like, 
pick up the pieces, you know. Figure it out. Mm. But we rush into it. Mm-hmm. That was Dramarama. Anything, anything. I would follow that song. I'm ready. I would follow that song with this song, which, interestingly enough, is inspired by this being an 80s song as well with a similar genre. And now I heard this song plenty of times, but I only heard it recently, I believe on, it was 88.5, the uh, college station in the Valley. Now this this relates to what you were talking about in my experience. Okay. I've had so many amazing partners. Yeah. Women. Yeah. Okay, so I'm imagining Terry Goldman. I'm imagining Karen Hansen, Lori Smith. I don't go out now that you're in. Sometimes we shout, you know. It, It wasn't as intense. It wasn't the end. My entire life I've been frightened of something. I don't deserve this, or this is going to end, or you're not that into me. And these these lyrics, had I been paying closer attention, look at you. You're a pageant. What a thing. Look at you. Wow. You're everything. Yeah. That I've imagined. What's wrong? You know, why was that coming? And this is what was happening to me. Yeah. You talk about this feeling that you have a lot. This just fear. It's like fear of your own success, whether it be in a relationship or your career or. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, and it's so sometimes cliche because I want to insist to myself that I'm not afraid. I welcome whatever it is that might be within my person that can make people laugh. I'm not going to deny it. Yeah. I mean, w- whenever I'm in a group of people. If there's something that is irresistible that I recognize, if I say this right now in this particular way, I will crack up this room. Not a comedy room. I can't do it on stage. (laughs) Not like you. I mean, stand-up comedy is art. Comedians are performers. I have a sense of humor, and oftentimes people will mistake that with, oh, I bet you would be funny on stage. But you put me in front of a mic and say, go now with nothing, and I wilt. You know, I'm, it's still something I may I may try, but the point is, is that I, I want to deny what you just said. That is fear of success, that there is this insecurity, but it's true. There is that that's happening. And I don't know where where that stems from or but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what that will feel like if there ever is confidence. And well, I had one relationship with Eva Ugatari from uh, the Basque country in España, you know, mm. San Sebastian. Uh, and you know, she, she made the first move. I've, I've done much better with women who have approached me and and then whatever the issues and concerns that came up were easier to manage, I suppose. But I don't know why sometimes I get frightened, you know, and if I was listening to this back in the eighties, right. It so may have informed me. I heard it like a month and a half ago around Christmas time. time. Yeah. And then I, I immediately purchased it. I immediately put it in my mix on my iTunes shuffle. Yeah. And I was driving Uber around the valley. Honest to God, I must have repeated that song a hundred times. Yeah. Screaming it. I'm a 52-year-old man driving a 2006 Scion as an Uber, cranking this song over and over and over again. And it's like, 
it's not too late. It's not too late. I'm hearing it now. It would have been helpful back then to go like, oh, wait a minute. They're singing about it. It must not be just me. You weren't ready for it then. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. There you go. I think part of the thing is just being able to say, I'm freaked out, man. Freaked out. And letting that just be okay. Yeah. You're allowed. We're allowed to feel freaked out. And knowing and trusting that. I've had mentors in my life yeah. that were like, women don't like to see weak men. Ugh. You know, and it, it well, that stuck with women. me. Yeah, forget those Right, women. right, right. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> now, all, now all options are open. I'm at that point in my life where it's kind of like, whatever happens, whomever happens to walk through the door, there may be a conversation to be had. Yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> We have a live show coming up if you'd like to meet David after the show. You yeah, know exactly where you can find you know. him at the Lyric Hyperion Cafe, Sunday, May 14th at 8.30 p.m. <laughs> and I'll be introducing several people to each other and saying, you're all here for the same basic reason. <laughs> you may not. No, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm not a play, yeah. You oh, just, uh, gosh. Play the game. So that was my follow. Yeah. You got another song? Top um, of your head? I do. Yeah? Should we keep shuffling? Today is Saturday, May 6th, and it's a very important day. This is Kid Rock. Oh. All summer long. I love this song. It was 1989. Make me cry. 89. Oh. This, this was uh, the first song I thought of today when I woke up because today is uh, Birth Mother's Day. And this, it is. It, today is Birth it Mother's is? Day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and I probably don't talk about it enough, but I am a birth mom. And this song came out the year that I was pregnant and gave birth to my no birth daughter. No kidding. Yeah. And I remember vividly August 16th, 2008 leaving the hospital and it was a full moon and this was the first song that played on the radio in the car on the way home and it felt like i was free i did i did what i was supposed to do i made this baby i signed the paperwork and i was like your parents now like go go uh, go be parents uh, um so yeah so today is birth mother's day and it's just a, a personal day for me oh my god i'm gonna cry so hard um because mother's day is a very ostracizing day it's really important to me, my birth daughter, and it sucks that my own mom doesn't recognize how hard it was for me, A, and B, that this day is hard for me, that I watch all these women celebrate Mother's Day and mm -hmm. I'm excluded. And even though I'm not there day to day, I think about her almost every day. Oh, sure. Um, I think about that family every day and I'm grateful to watch her grow up even if it's mostly on facebook and i see her once or twice a year well so from the conception did you know you were going to be a birth mother was this the plan or did no. this happen um i was one of those very strange women that had no idea she was pregnant until about three months in so it was the second try <gasps> it was the second trimester before i knew uh -huh. i had regular periods i felt tired but i was also very busy in living in seattle i was working mm -hmm. my radio career i was working overnights mm -hmm. it was the first time i experienced with going vegan and so i was like there's a lot happening and it never occurred to me that i could be pregnant so the first three months you had no idea no idea how I didn't. How'd you get the good news? Well, it occurred to me. I flew down to <laughs> to California 
to spend some time for someone's wedding shower or something or other. And on the plane on the way down, I got sick. I threw up. And I'd never do. I'd never get motion sickness. I was like, this is weird. So my mom picked me up. We went to a Denny's. I had some crackers and soup. I was like, I feel better. But as I'm telling my best friend about how I got sick and how I've been feeling so tired and all of a sudden my boobs really hurt. And she was like, are you pregnant? I was like, oh, that's a thing, huh? I was like, I mean, it's been a while, but maybe. Let's see. Let's see. Calculation, calculation, calculation. We went right to the the drugstore, got a pregnancy test. And it was like, I just looked at it and it turned the two stripes. (laughs) In line. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) So so I went to the doctor and I was like, well, I'm not keeping this thing. I got radio shit to do. Mm -hmm. And when I went to have the procedure, they were like, I'm so sorry. You are just two days too far along for us to do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. And I could have done it in a traditional hospital setting, but it would have cost a lot of money. Mm. The guy that was responsible couldn't afford it. And he was like, I don't want, he's like, we'll figure it out. Let's just do the thing. And I was like, nah. I was like, I know a couple that has been struggling to have kids. She just lost her mom. They need a kid. They're having, like, I just knew. So yeah, I'm going to go to term with this. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'm having a baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know who's taking it. And mm-hmm. we sat down and had Chinese food and had this conversation. And you could tell that the mom-to-be was like, "Is this, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. And dad was like, well, I have lots of questions. I want to make sure. And paperwork. And we have to do some research. The next morning, they called me. They're like, we're having a baby. <laughs> so it was really it was really cute and so we spent the next six months going to group meetings and therapy sessions and, mm-hmm. and signing papers and doing this and doing see that. because the child who you're in touch with now yeah yeah i mean the, the whole deal was we're gonna go ahead and take this pregnancy to term weighed the options as we do and so that decision was made, and part of the agreement is you get to have a relationship with the child. Yeah, just some of the research that they had done, uh, that we had done, was that when a child knows from the beginning, when you don't lie, mm-hmm. and they have an opportunity to understand who they are and where they come from, there's less resentment or guilt. And I was like, whatever you guys want to do, like if you want me to be a part of it, I'll be a part of it. And if you don't, I don't have to be. But it would be nice to know it would it would just be nice to know that like I know she's good, mm-hmm. but I mean it's kind of I don't know it's like watching your nieces and nephews nephews or something amazing about watching them grow up mm-hmm. and be a part of their life. You know they're always excited to see you, mm-hmm. like Uncle Dave, mm-hmm. Unky Monkey. That's my name, Unky Monkey. I know because they can't say Auntie Maggie, so I get Unky Monkey. Well, I mean I'm curious and I'm glad that I know the circumstances of my parents around the time of my conception, and I think. That in and of itself is probably a valid reason to stay connected. I have a grandmother who yeah. would be celebrating Birth Mother Day. Her name is Nina Webster. Oh, happy Birth Mother Day, Nina. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, you know, she's uh, in the great abyss or wherever, but she gave birth to my dad on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And the story that I'm aware of is that due to complications of the pregnancy, she passed away. Oh. But there was no father present. Sure. You know, something had happened. And it was coincidentally the man who I was later to meet as my grandfather, Chester Waterman, on that Christmas day, for some reason, went down and adopted this little boy named Jesse and renamed him Daryl. Oh, wow. Um, Jesse Webster became Daryl Waterman. I don't know that any of my family will listen to White Tune Shuffle that would be at all 
concerned about this, but there is a thought that my grandfather, who at the time was in a relationship and I think was actually married, may have actually been his real father and had had an affair with Nina. That's because the the physical similarities. But in any case, I mean, the point is, is like, wow, who knew? And my dad doesn't know. He claims he doesn't care. It's not a big deal or whatever, but... But it, maybe not for I him, but know. for you. Yeah, <clears throat> for the rest of the family. We all want to know. Exactly. I want to know if my cousins are my blood cousins. Right. You know, whatever. There's a lot of unanswered questions. And so... Family history is hard. And man, she, she'll be nine this year. I just saw them over Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and they already started asking me the questions like, well, when did you hit puberty? You know, how old were you? And mm-hmm. I was like, are we talking about this already? Why? How old is she? Not, she'll be nine. My God. And I know it's getting younger and younger. It was just a, it was a really weird, amazing conversation to have. I was like, I'm glad that I'm around to be able to talk about this with you. Mm-hmm. But, oh man, that was bizarre. And when I gave birth, I remember thinking specifically, I don't want it to be 10 years from now and I've done nothing with my life. Like, I don't want her to think when she hits 10, <laughs> that was the age I picked, like, why would you give me up for adoption? You've done nothing. You have nothing to show for it. Why didn't we stick together? So that thought just occurred to me last week. Like, oh, my God, I have a year and a half left mm-hmm. to figure it out. I hope she's proud. <laughs> I hope she thinks that I'm cool in some way or that this wasn't a waste. I hope that when she's older, she's like, I had a good childhood. And I'm glad that Maggie did the thing that she did because mm-hmm. it would have been a really, really tough I couldn't have given, I could, there's no way I could have given her the childhood that she's had thus far. That That's a level of honesty. Obviously it deserves respect. We never know. I mean, I got a brother who doesn't talk to the family anymore. Oh, I mean, man. and he knew his mom Yeah. and he knew his dad and they were 100% yeah. most of the time available to him. Yeah. I mean, we just, we get so locked into the definition for a number of reasons, puritanical ideology, faith and religion, the sort of order that's been kind of presented in terms of this is how these things work and this is where it goes. But to kind of circle back to your experience last night at the party where, right. hey, well, I'm from Europe, I'm from Spain, I'm from here, uh, I'm from there and China yeah. and everything else. I was on a, a date with a woman from Asia and I was putting the moves on and I was trying to make out with her because yeah. it was all happening. And she had to school me on the fact that our culture is very different. You know, my husband and I kissed maybe once or twice in our seven year marriage. We don't do it like this. You don't make out in a car and get a hand. This may happen at some point, but you Americans get busy in this. You know, we're different, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. I guess my 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 grander point is as we kind of forge ahead with humanity, that your daughter, your experience, your motherhood, you're part of nature. And if we were to look at this thing on a grander scale that, you know, humans reproduce yeah. and it's fun, the process of reproducing is, is also is a, recreational, yes. a recreational activity. <laughs> and inevitably there are times when nature will take its course and it's not a matter of proper, appropriate normal. Mm -hmm. Oh, nature took its course. And as much as you might want to dig a drainage ditch so that your house has a nice little fountain, nature may take its course and all of a sudden you'll have, you'll be living in the middle of a lake. Right. (laughs) So when we look at life in that context, and I would just say, if I may be so bold, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the more we're confident and secure with our choices, they're going to have to make their own choices and decisions and My mother's pretty cool with me whenever I say I wasn't happy with that. And I don't think I'll ever be happy with that. My mother's like, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Want some lunch? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man. Wow. But that song, 
it samples Warren Zevon, mm-hmm. Werewolves of London, mm-hmm. you know, and one could argue, I won't, because I just love music and every incarnation and every okay. backstory, and I can just see you. I mean, I, you know, our relationship now professionally and friend-wise is a year or so now, yeah. you know, but I, I know you well enough, and I know, I think, life well enough. I can sort of feel the the you in the car and... Bum, 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 you know, and but one could say, and I loathe this, it's like, well, you know, you borrow a hook like that that's universally recognizable. It's kind of giving you a free shot to bring a listener into an idea. And I, I say, no, man, I say that this is Kid Rock honoring a very important hook. Yes. And that's what this show, Why Tune Shuffle, is. I yeah. mean, we honor the hook. It's not about, you know, the creative process or what works for music or this is how it should be. No, man, it's everything goes. And and then it starts to talk to you about being 17, about mm-hmm. being young and, and new doors and new horizons. And my Y-Tune hook on this is my mother is a huge Kid Rock fan. Is uh, she really? <laughs> yeah. Oh and my I, God. I used to say that to my classes when I was teaching the drug program, how cool it is these days that never before have adults into their 50s and 60s been as into the music that their kids are into. Yeah. You know, the whole sort of like Frank Sinatra Beatles and Elvis kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There were some very clear boundaries, but yeah. now it's like universally. When you start hearing stuff from the 70s and 80s mm. on the radio now, mm-hmm. and I think it's true for kids that are enjoying the stuff that mm-hmm. their parents grew up with. Mm-hmm. That the beat goes on mm-hmm. for sure. Is there anything else that comes to the top of your head? No, but I'm going to do a random hit and see if I'm going to just hit a song on this and, okay. and see what happens. Okay, um, again, why I love our show so much, why I feel so lucky that we get to do this. I can't remember which guest There's had this song. Happening here. I mean, this was an what anthem for a time in our history, exactly politically clear. unpredictable. Things were scary. And it's back. Mm-hmm. Telling me I got to beware. I think it's time we stop, children. I mean, what's that sound? Everybody, Everybody look what's going down. These are young people. Mm-hmm. These are young people. A Buffalo Springfield, and of mm-hmm. course, you know, they all, um, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and mm-hmm. Young, and all of that sort of connection. But I mean, every word in this is, is poetic and spoke to my parents when I was just an infant and then spoke to me. And I've heard this in soundtracks. And so, yeah, the uh, Buffalo Springfield. And for what it's worth, 1967. Crazy. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Right. And if we could just embrace the fact that we don't necessarily have to say we're wrong, but there's no right answer here. Yeah. Politically relevant in that in that shuffle. Yes. And this song is always, I've never gotten bored of it. I could listen to it all day long. Uh-huh. It would it would definitely be on my Stuck on an Island with only five songs, I guess. Really? Yeah. yeah. Right. I would think that if you were stuck on an island and you're by yourself, there wouldn't really any, be any politically thing that you'd be concerned about. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, in the context of having lived a life and at this point in time, all I had were my memories. Mm-hmm. It would, I suspect, provide me with some contextual reference of like, yeah, that was part of my life. That song spoke to me louder than maybe a, another song spoke to somebody else, Sure, you know, in, in their own particular political journey or whatever. But to bring it current, I know that you've struggled a lot since the November election dealing with how do we accept this reality? I feel like a lot of people are very angry, wake Mm -hmm. up very angry. I just had a conversation with my mom about 
her, this anger that she carries because of what's happening in Washington and how do you let that go? And are you finding ways to be more present and control the things that you can control and not let what's happening on MSNBC or CNN all the time or Fox News for that matter really affect your day to day? Or do you still find yourself feeling pretty upset, angry, helpless, hopeless? The latter is absolutely the truth of my being today. I, um, I asked myself the question the other day and have periodically, like, how am I doing this? Because the truth is, is that I, there is a part of me, and this is embarrassing, and maybe I'll cry when I say this, but I feel violent. I feel that there is justification for violence. Not towards me or our guests or your neighbor, whatever color um, or gender that they happen to come in. War. <laughs> I guess to put it in a clearer context, I'm feeling violent, baby. I suspect what I'm feeling is, and I hope this would be true, that a patriot when King George Mm -hmm. had find like enough is enough. You're you're not going to do this to us. Mm -hmm. It's time for a constitution. It's time for a declaration of independence. It's time for we the people. I don't believe that the United States of America and the philosophies and the ideologies that this country was based on I think it needs to be defended. I think that it's being challenged. And I think that some of this rigid conservative ideology within a rigid context is threatening the potential that this country has, which is a woman's right to choose and and be in control of her life. Um, health, a person's right to choose? A person's right to choose. You know, I think that health care is a right. I do too. It is a, it's an absolute and inalienable yeah. right. And so when I say violence, I mean, and I always consider myself a pacifist. And, and even though I served in the military, I look back on that experience as like, no, it, it, war serves nothing. And I'm tormented because I'm thinking if a revolution, a hostile revolution with guns and bombs yeah. happened, yeah. I would join it right now. And it's weird. I mean, it's, I, I, I can say that right now in this safe space and, mm-hmm. You know, I might be a coward and run away and, and I wouldn't actually, it wouldn't material, if it actually happened, I might be the first to die or be too afraid to do it. But that's how I'm feeling Yeah. to go through my day to day and my job and my Uber and all of this and the Y-Tunes. I feel genuine. I'm happy to be listening to music and hanging out with you right now. I don't think that there's any bullcrap happening right now, but there is this also weird sort of existence that I'm having, which is I'm appalled by how the government is operating and by our leader himself. I'm like, that's not okay. Yeah. How can we expect better from our children manners wise than we do from the president of the United States? I'm scared. Yeah. He's scaring me. And when I'm scared and I suspect other people, you know, it can, it can, it can make us react. So I'm having that reactive feeling with sure. bring it. I was worried last night. The way I'm kind of dealing with it is taking the media and the news in very small doses mm-hmm. and it's very sensationalized right now. So If I hear a headline, I give it three days and then I'll check again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like I just, it's so, I can't jump on it as quick. Everything is, now fear, ah! And I just can't wrap my head around that yet. So it's like, okay, well, did a man really get dragged off a plane or are they just, what really happened? Give it a couple days. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) Very wise. And I, there again, it's like, how, how do we teach ourselves to consume media? Uh, yeah. I'm an overeater. It's a salad bar. I'll yeah. have everything and yeah. then I'll go back and get more. That, exactly. <laughs> That's how it was at first. And it made, I was crying. Literally, I couldn't go to sleep without smoking weed. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And now yeah. it's like, I just stop. As much as I need to, to get through my job, mm-hmm. I really have to disconnect and sometimes are harder than others mm-hmm. and i catch myself reading those headlines like oh, i can't believe that blah 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 blah. but then you slow down and you're like i'm gonna go for a jog and think this through and i'm okay look at my legs they're working and then you find something to be grateful for well and that's the formula mm-hmm. i mean that's healthy living and that's that's how we're able to have this moment Sure. And not just turn our back on everything and just, but I, I wonder there is a time for dark clouds and change and, and the difficulties that go with it. I heard it said recently by a person, I don't want to become so disengaged in what's going on that it be, allows it to, to be tolerated and normal. So no, that balance, you're right? giving it three days, I think is like, that's a goal for me or at least 24 hours, Exactly. you know, every other day. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but I mean, I will set it for a goal this week because I'm going to try to do every other day media. That's good. One day music only, one day media. I'm, I'll try. It's a weird, weird, the weirdest time of my life politically. It is weird. I know other things have happened and people have been assassinated and it's been, but for my life and for my awareness, I suppose, mm-hmm. weirdest time. <laughs> so I feel good. Mm-hmm. You ready for next weekend? Oh, we got no choice. There's no turning back. I'm it's... excited about next weekend. I'm hopeful. Obviously, the, the the performers inside of us, you know, our our whole being, the genesis of Y Tune Shuffle, and our our lives have been. Let's do a show. Yeah, you know. So I'm thinking audience, yeah. and it's a different kind of. I've never done a show like this before. Me neither. And I'm so glad Gene and Chris are going to be there to Me do stand too. up, yeah. and Charlie's going to do a song. So that's the show. Yeah. I mean, we got a beautiful show. Yeah, It's an experiment. We're going to bring them on the couch and put this thing together. And uh, I'm just so grateful. Talk about gratitude, uh-huh. you know, and to, to steer away from some of the, 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 the this rough is, this patches. This is how we deal with the rough stuff. This is how we Find deal with it. Find stuff you're grateful for. And it's this. I mean, me too. Noth- nothing. In, and it's not just you and me that loves this format. This yeah. is a like we're... I think we're, I, I will say this, I think we're really smart cookies, you know, in the world yeah. of content podcasting Yeah. to think this might be a fun thing to do. And this is, this show on Sunday is allowing us to have some fun. And yeah, as we move into season two, I know that one of our goals is to be more inclusive with our listeners mm-hmm. that have tuned in week after week mm-hmm. to enjoy the songs and the content and the stories from our guests. And to do that, we had talked about having a, a listener of the week mm-hmm. every show. So we encourage you, Tune Squad, to write in mm-hmm. to our Facebook page at Why Tunes Shuffle and submit a song and a story, something that makes you think about a person that's special in your life or a time in your life that was particularly fun or challenging or awesome or hard. There is no rules, so just send in the song and a quick clip, and we'd like to feature our listener at the beginning of every show. Would this be a Y-Tune Shuffle shout-out? I would say so. Like a dedication? I, I mean, I just that sort of old-school radio format, mm-hmm. too, blends so nicely with... And see, who doesn't want to hear themselves on the radio? I guess. Right? I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> you're nobody unless you're famous. Remember that line? It's <laughs> from this Matt Dillon film with yeah, Nicole Kidman. It had to do with a real-life murder that oh, happened wow. in, in New, uh, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And this was a movie based on it. And the woman that was like the orchestrator of the murder was a newscaster, a weather person. And she was so into that whole kind of thing. You're nobody unless you're famous. That was one of the trailer lines. But no, radio. So, Mm. Tune Squad, 
Toon Squad. Go ahead and send those in. You can just send it through a message on Facebook. That's the T-shirt. Toon Squad. Yeah. Y-Toon Shuffle Toon Squad. Right. Hats, t-shirts. We got a bumper stickers on the way, but I'm loving that website with all the different little swag Isn't we can get. Cool? Yeah, cards have to be gotten probably this week as well. I'm so excited. Thank you, David, to all of our guests and everyone that tunes in for an amazing season one. Really, this wouldn't be possible without everyone participating. So, hell yeah. And thank you, amazing Maggie Mayfield. You engineer the show. <sighs> you, you... You know, we had the, an idea. We sat down at a bar. I showed you my <laughs> right. Fry's electronic recording yes. equipment. I thought that was so cute. You know, you know when 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 two living organisms come together and create life, mm-hmm. there are so many incarnations of it. And um, I I, I want to thank you for being that enabled me to have this experience. Thank you. Yeah. I love your face, man. Thank you.